Loved, cherished, comforted. Welcome to the podcast ministry of Our Resolute Hope, where you will find grace, not just a concept or a doctrine of grace, but a person, a person whose name is Jesus, a person who brings hope, a determined, resolute hope that can sustain you and empower you to live courageously in this fallen world. Join us now as we learn more about Jesus, our Savior, our Lord, and our life. Welcome back, dear ones. We're just blessed that you joined us today on this episode of the Our Resolute Hope podcast. Once again, I serve as the host. My name is John Russin. I'm here with my dear friend, Frank Friedman. Pastor, how are you today? Doing very well, John. Hope you're doing well, too. I am well, although we did have, heaven forbid, a light frost last night in Southern wow. Arizona. There's snow up in the mountains, but it got a little chilly. So I'm glad the sun's out and we'll get rid of that evil weather as soon as we can. <laughs> Friends, if you've just joined us, you've caught Frank and me in the middle of a, a new series that we're doing that we are calling the pivotal words in scripture. And we've talked about, but God and grace. And last time we began to talk about the word let. And we began, Frank, if you recall, with the biblical definition for that word, which means to allow something, to not impede. And Frank, as you recall, we talked about this. It implies that there's an obstacle that we've got to take out of the way. There's a command that is imperative feel to that because there's a real warfare in our walk with our father sometimes. So that was a really exciting and powerful conversation, wasn't it, Frank? Yes, sir. Absolutely. It was. And we're looking forward to hopefully unwrapping that a little bit more today. Indeed. And so uh, listeners, if you didn't catch that, please go back to that episode. It's just called Let. And you can join what Father did in Frank and my understanding, and hopefully he'll do the same in yours. So as we begin today, I want to look at just one verse where the word let is used. Now, before I say that, I want to say that I did find this website that listed more than a thousand different commands in the New Testament. I knew there were a lot, a thousand or so, but this command, this imperative let, Frank, it appears 150 times. Wow. And then there are 20 or 30 more that are let not, like let not your hearts be troubled. So of the 300 times it appears, 150 of them or 170 of them are command. So, you know, command let is a big thing. It really is. And so I want to start today with one verse, my friend. And I'm going to read it from the King James because it's the language that carries that word let. And I'm reading from Philippians 2. Paul writes this. I can hear from your grunt that you already know where I'm going. Philippians 2, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, hmm. but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men and being found in fashion as a man he humbled himself and became obedient unto death even the death of the cross so frank last time when we looked at this we saw that let could be easy to overlook 
But here we see just in this one verse, there are some really serious life-changing implications with this word. I mean, let's begin with it. The mindset of Jesus Christ. And to be honest, my friend, I'm going to use a word you use all the time. It's mind-boggling that <laughs> we are the gatekeepers to letting the mindset of Christ be in us. Frank, how can this possibly be? How can we control how the mindset of Christ is manifest in us? Wow, John, you've asked a loaded question. If I'm I, getting good at that. <laughs> I will try to reduce it into just a minute or two. But we know from 1 Corinthians chapter 2 that no one knows the mind of God. The only one who knows the mind of God is God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And Paul goes on to say that we have received the Spirit so that purpose clause we may know the mind of God because the spirit knows the mind of God. But then he adds at the end of that passage, which is 1 Corinthians 2, 9 through 14, that a natural man will never understand the things of God. And, you know, I used to think, John, that natural was a reference to unbelievers. But in that context, it's very clear. It's a reference to a believer even that thinks naturally about God, thinks with his own mind. And he's basically saying a human mind in its context will never grasp the mind of God. But we've received the spirit so we can know. And I would take that and tie that to Ephesians 3, where we pray for the power of the spirit to break through and strengthen us but this is an incredible revelation, not to do something, that's what we usually ask for strength for, but to know, to be able to know the height, length, breadth, depth of the love of God. So John, in a nutshell, nobody knows the mind of God, but we believers have the potential to know the mind of God because we have the spirit who wants to teach us the mind of God. But here's the key. You mentioned that word, let. It requires cooperation. It's not passive. It's not just going to happen. Paul went on to say in 1 Corinthians 2 that we have the mind of Christ now. That is a possession. But to practice it, to live it, as Philippians 2 teaches, requires a response. And as a dear friend of ours says, we have a response ability. <laughs> it's a responsibility and we have the potential to respond with ability to the revelation that we have of the mind of God so we can live from God and live radically different lives, even lives like Christ that would lay its own life down for others. And that is supernatural and radical. As you're talking, Frank, I'm, I'm listening closely, and this thought just jumps out at me. When I read through 1 Corinthians 2, and I get to that last verse, verse 16, where it says, we have the mind of Christ. Uh, you alluded to this, that if you're a natural man, uh, and you look at the things in this world, you just don't understand them. Mm -hmm. And the mind of Christ enables them to understand them. But I think we're talking about here in Philippians 2 actually takes it a level deeper mm -hmm. because it enables us not only to interpret the things we see, 
but it actually begins to change how we think. We begin to think like God thinks. And of course, when you think how God thinks, you can begin to choose the way God would choose. Mm -hmm. And you can look at the circumstances through God's eyes. And Frank, that's just a miraculous promise that comes Mm -hmm. just from simply letting Mm -hmm. his mind rule in us. Wow, what an amazing fruit. Yeah, John, if you think about it, what does the mind of Christ look like? Well, it loves its enemies. Yeah, I don't, ouch. <laughs> I don't think like that. Not in my natural self. Forgive 70 times seven. I don't think like that. But having the mind of Christ, that is how we think now potentially to let that happen. And like I said, it's cooperation. It's a choice of the will. We have to allow the mind of Christ, which we possess, to work itself out in practice. That's why he goes on to say it's a life that has a mindset of laying down its life for others. And again, I don't think like that, not naturally, but we all have this wonderful potential if we let We have a mutual friend, John, and he says it this way. Faith is a verb. It's our receptivity of God's activity. So his mindset, his attitude, we by faith receive that. And that mindset ushers in behavior. And so it's the receptivity of his activity. He wants to forgive people through us, love people through us, restore people through us, mercy people through us. And it all begins in cooperating with the mind of Christ that we've been given. Amen. Think about this, Frank. And I look at the rest of this verse in Philippians 2. The mind of Christ isn't just something that sits there passively in us. I look at this and I see three specific examples, three fruits, if you will, in the life of Jesus. First, he made himself of no reputation. So this is what the mind of Christ will do in us. Now, let's take a moment to talk about reputations, Frank. As you know, they're not necessarily bad. You spent 30 some years as a pastor building your reputation and we all want a good one. Mm-hmm. But there's a point where reputations can be a problem for us mm-hmm. when we look at what we do as less important than what people think about us. Mm-hmm. And so Jesus stepped over that barrier because of his mindset. And he just chose not to let his reputation, how other people viewed him, determine how he thought about himself, what he did or how he lived in service to his father. Frank, this is life-changing for us if we will let this happen, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. We have the potential to stop being manipulated and controlled by people and put a smile on God's face as he puts his mind in us so we think the way he thinks and so we act the way he acts. And that's our ultimate agenda. We want a good name. My proverb says a good name is better than much fine gold. But we don't necessarily live, John, for the applause of man. 
We love people, but they are not God to us. We have one God, and he's the one that we serve, and he's the one that we increase, allow to increase in our lives. And anytime you do that, we, by nature, decrease and end up refuting the lie that we shall be as God. And then we can function as a human being the way we were designed to. And that's, that's wonderful. Right. You know, we have this new devotional coming out very soon. And one of the day's entries deals with using God as our mirror rather than others. And so this is oh, an, yeah. an, an exact example of how that played out in Jesus' life. If he looked to the religious leaders as his mirror, he would be totally crumbs. Yes. If he looked at some of the people around him, he might get a very different view of who he was. But if he looked to his father... He got an mm. accurate picture. And Frank, this is where our reputation can really work against us. Wow. Yes. Pretty cool. Now, here's another fruit of this mindset. And this, too, comes from Philippians 2. He took upon himself the form of a servant, Frank. Wow. And when I look at this, I see that Christ's mindset becomes ours. Well, we let it be ours. Not only do we look at our reputations differently, how we display ourselves to the world, but we look at ourselves differently. Yeah. Jesus wasn't a servant. He was the king. He was the creator. But he took on that role, even to the point of the night before he was arrested, washing feet. And then, mm -hmm. of course, the garden. Then, of course, the cross. So the mindset changes our perspective on ourselves, too, doesn't it, Frank? Oh, John, absolutely. Jesus' mind, I think, was summed up in Matthew 20 when he said he did not come to be served. He came to serve. And as we know from Philippians 2, he's functioning as man was always designed to function. He's doing what Adam failed to do, and therefore all of us have failed to do. And that is to have the mind of God and live from God, completely dependent. And it's so funny, John, we talk about why did he have children? He had children because he wanted to meet their every need. If we put it in a, a different word, he wants to serve their needs. And so who are we in him? We're here to serve others. It's a very foreign mind to what we have in Adam. And that's why he stuck out so radically different from a humanity that's so consumed with their own needs, their own wants, their own desires, hence consumers. <laughs> he was a servant and we are too. He's a servant king and we're servant princes and princesses. That's right. The world looks around, Frank, at all these opportunities that froze before us and the world asks, well, what's in it for me? But I don't see that mindset at all in our Father and in our Savior, our big brother Jesus. So what was in it for God to do all he has done first to create us in the first place and then to do all he has done for us? So explain to our audience as best you can what was in it for God. What was in it for God was he got to magnify who he is. His love got magnified when he created objects to receive his love. His life got magnified when he 
made a creature that could contain and express his life. So it wasn't an egotistical thing in any way. People look at God sometimes, John, and say, oh, he's such a narcissist. No, 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 no. God has to rejoice in himself because there is nothing higher, nothing better, nothing more perfect than him. If there was something higher, more perfect, more better than him, then he wouldn't be God. So he has to rejoice in himself. We, the created, have to rejoice in him because we recognize that he is greater, better. But here's the key. He never had to create us. He would have been fine just within the triune Godhead, enjoying an infinite relationship of love for all eternity. But love by nature wants to be shared. So who created objects that could share in his love. That's what was in it for God. Just the magnification of his own incredible love and glory. Mind-boggling. Yeah, when I think about this, Frank, I think about how Father has created each one individually. I like to think of us as individual, unique little prisms. You know what a yeah. prism is, right? Oh, yeah. So when the light hits the prism, it scatters into almost limitless numbers of wavelengths, each of which reflects a different component of the light, and each prism reflects that light differently. And so right. not only do we reflect his glory in ways that are unimaginable to us, but we get to share in his glory. Wow. It is, John, and you said a key word, every one of us different. You know, the thing about religion by nature is that it tries to conform people into sameness, tries to get everybody to think the same, look the same, act the same. And all that our listeners have to do is reflect on a few religions, and you can see this. If not in dress, certainly in behavior, certainly in use of language, and many times in dress, it's very readily seen. True Christianity, which is nothing more than relationship to God, with God, restored to God by Jesus, is, is relationship. And every one of us unique. And so each of us expresses God differently by design. So John, nobody else in this entire world can express God the way you do. Um, nobody else can express God on this planet the way I do. And so that makes each one of us highly significant in terms of being a part of the total expression of God to the world through humanity. And boy, we're going to shamelessly plug that devotional. <laughs> but, you know, one of our uh, blogs in there, John, our, our daily devotionals was about a kaleidoscope. And, you know, when a little kid sees a kaleidoscope, they ooh and they ah, and they call to mom and dad and brother and sister, come look at this, come look at this. That's the way that we function as the body of Christ. Each one as a prism, each one as a piece of glass in the total kaleidoscope. But when that light hits it, wow. It's not much in the dark, but it's a stellar explosion in the light. Yeah, and then people get to look and say, oh, so that's what God is like. That's right. You know, that's, that's a good phrase, Frank. When people look at us, they should say, wow. That's a picture of what God is like. All right, man, let's wrap this up with one last fruit. 
that we see that the mind of Christ bore in Jesus. And that's this, that he humbled himself and became obedient. And Frank, as I look at all these, my chancellor brain sees a progression. Uh, the mindset changes how we view our reputations. It changes how we view ourselves, which of course now changes how we choose to live, mm. to live humbly, to live obediently. And it's interesting because obedience, guess what? It's our next word, which is obey, <laughs> obedience. So Frank, this entire mindset of Christ that we are to allow to control us, this changes everything about us, doesn't it? Jesus changes our relationship to everything in the entire world. There are some things that we are just not related to anymore, never will be again. We can act like it, but we shouldn't. We're no longer in relationship with greed. We're no longer in relationship with pride and stealing or any cheating on an income tax. We're no longer related to that. It's gone. But now we're related to so many other things. We're related to honoring people and being merciful to people and kind to people. And so this mindset is an absolute necessity to transforming life. It begins in the mind. Have this mind, have this attitude, have this disposition, have this bent towards the world that Jesus Christ had. And all we got to do, John, is go to Romans 12, uh, be transformed by this renewing of your mind, which will then usher in offering yourself as a living sacrifice unto God. Amen. Well, Fred, you have done a great job wrapping things up. So, uh, dear ones, we are really grateful that you joined us today on this episode. Please check out our website, www.ourresolutehope.com. There's lots of resources there for you. We'd love to hear from you. There's a way on the website for you to pop us an email. Let us know what you think. We'd love to also get you to sign up for our newsletter and check out our social media platforms. You'll find us on Facebook on Instagram, and uh, I especially note our YouTube channel. We've been pouring a lot of effort there recently to populate that with some pretty substantial material, including some full sermon series from Pastor Frank. And once again, my friend, we close with this reminder from Hebrews chapter six, that we hope have this hope as an anchor for our souls. Peter calls it a living hope. Frank, you and I call it a resolute hope because it's bedrock, it never changes. And that Amen. hope is Jesus. So today and always, remember to choose hope and to choose Jesus. Thanks for listening. We trust that you've seen Jesus today. And you know that no matter what you're facing, He offers you Himself, His own life. He wants to live His life with you, in you, and through you as you trust Him and walk by faith in this troubled world. You've been listening to Our Resolute Hope Podcast. For more information, find us online at OurResoluteHope.com and check out our social media channels under the name Our Resolute Hope.